My name is Dr. Michaela Keegan Yadley, and I've spent the last 17 years of my career in schools as a teacher and principal. I started the Dissect Ed podcast to help you by using my strengths of connecting and relating to bring amazing guests to you each week. We will cover a wide range of topics related to all aspects of and roles in education. My goal? For you to enjoy and feel successful in your role so we keep amazing teachers and leaders in schools. Thank you for all you do. Take care and enjoy. This podcast episode is brought to you by the 3D Printing Man. Get everything from custom food bowls for your pets to chore lists for your family in more than 15 vibrant colors, all custom designed. Visit his store on Etsy by searching The 3D Printing Man, all one word. Again, that's The 3D Printing Man on Etsy and get 10% off with the code DISSECTED. All right, happy Tuesday, everybody. Um, We are really excited to have Amanda Lurs with us today. Amanda is a life and transformation coach who I've known for a little while, and I've heard her messaging. I have attended some of her live sessions, and I just knew I had to bring her to you today because I think you will get so much value from her. So I'm going to turn it over to Amanda. Amanda, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do? Absolutely. First of all, thank you for mm-hmm. having me. Of course. Um, as I shared with you before uh, we started recording here, um, you're just such an encouraging spirit and um, always reaching out, speaking out, um, constantly encouraging. And that's actually how we connected. And so I just want to really take a minute to um, acknowledge you in that and just you know, as I said before, there's there's never a shortage of need for that. Oh, if anybody ever wants to make a difference. Um, The world's never out of people who need encouragement. We can never encourage too much. So I I really want to honor you that you, you're, that comes so naturally to you. And so um, love that we were, that encouragement of yours is actually how we connected and now having this opportunity to spend some time together today. So, but yeah, in answer to your question, uh, as you mentioned, I am a life and transformation coach. Uh, My background is in nursing. I have been a registered nurse for 15 years in um, some several different capacities. And um, in the last couple of years, have moved away from that into private coaching. And a lot of that just came from those experiences um, in healthcare, being in an arena where there's a lot of need. There's a lot of need. There's a lot of complexities. Um, When someone's coming into a hospital situation, they have social dynamics, family dynamics, health dynamics that they're dealing with, financial dynamics. And really having personally this heart to want to address the whole picture. And we often in the healthcare setting, time is very limited. And I would just think to myself, oh, only I could have an hour to talk to that person. I just, I wish I could just talk and ask these questions, um, really get them to go a level deeper. And the framework that the current healthcare system operates on just didn't allocate that time. It didn't really work. Um, So um, I have moved into life and transformation coaching where I work with women all the time who are experiencing a multitude of dynamics of their own. Um, Just like my patients might've had all these different things going on. Um, Women have a lot going on, a lot of responsibility, a lot of work. Um, And I I say women, um, I don't, that's not discriminatory at all. It just happens to be that most of my clients are women Mm -hmm. at all. Um, But a lot of dynamics and really what they seem to not have a lot of mentorship in is how it all fits together. And that was something that when I was in healthcare, I would see, oh my goodness, there's such a bigger picture here. Uh, All of this fits together. And that's where I wanted to have those conversations with people. And so now um, being on this side, I, that's what I do. I take the dynamics that people are working with and that may feel segmented. And we start to outline how it all works together. Excellent. Um, And you know, you are, just the way that you communicate and 
try to fit those pieces together, just even not in a, not in private coaching, but even just in the, the few times I've been able to see you do your thing, whether it's through Facebook lives or, um, in our conversations, you do that. It's amazing to, to, to be on this side of it. Um, and so we've talked about the work that I've done and kind of what's brought me to the point where I am with this podcast and with my company, which is really in service of, um, principals and teachers and keeping amazing people in their roles, uh, because they're satisfied, not because they feel like they have to be, but because they're, they feel fulfilled, they feel excited, they feel needed, um, and they feel challenged, but I don't think there's any shortage, shortage of challenge right now. Um, so I think that's fine, but we're losing a lot of people. Um, and we were before the pandemic and we really are, uh, after the pandemic, like both post pandemic or getting back into the swing of things. So anything, any people that I can, that I've heard of or that I, that I see who I think, um, can contribute to or help educators and leaders, um, understand themselves more or maybe help, like, like you just said, you put it great. It does feel so segmented. Even I, I told you before we got on the podcast, I think of education as like this bubble. It's almost like its own segment where like you have your teacher life or your leadership life, your education life. And then there's all this other stuff that happens. And a lot of times um, they seem, they do seem so separated. So that I think it uh, makes sense actually even more why I connected with you and could see where you would have a connection with the audience um, and provide just another way of thinking about things, right? So that educators, it's not, there's no one quick fix, but there are things that we can start saying to ourselves, thinking to ourselves and actions we can take to keep ourselves in a good mindset um, so we can keep moving forward. Um, and so with that, I would love to start with asking you, um, you talk about something that caught my attention was, um, and we'll get into more specific questions, um, after this, but you say that your passion is helping people to understand the integrated nature of their thoughts and their physical bodies. What do you mean by that? Well, a framework that I like to work from is, um, have you taken your meds? So meds, if you think of um, as an acronym for mindset, exercise, diet, and sleep. So have you taken your meds? Um, when you start to realize, and you said there's no, you know, one magic cure, or I'm not exactly sure what you said just a minute ago, but um, it goes to this concept that things aren't segmented and they are all um, integrated. And when I like to start with this really simple framework because it's catchy to remember, it's, it's kind of easy to remember meds. When you can think of your well-being, and when I say well-being, I mean it outside of your physical body, but your overall well-being as there's no silver bullet. I heard this recently, not my saying, but there's not a silver bullet, but there's silver buckshot. <laughs> and <laughs> um, it really starts to set up this framework of, how everything is so interrelated. It absolutely, absolutely starts with mindsets and how you are framing everything. When you have a mindset that has a healthy framework, um, it impacts your exercise and your diet um, and your sleep even. Um, and I could, we could seriously talk for like four hours just on this. So I will try to keep it narrowed down and somewhat um, generic. But when I'm going to, I'm going to go to sleep, we might think that I've got things to do. Um, it doesn't matter. Um, I've got so much to do. Maybe in your guys' world, it's like, I've got to get this done before I can even sleep tonight. It's due tomorrow or I stayed late or whatever that looks like. When we are lacking in sleep and not sleeping well, sleep is the time of day where we remember and we forget. And I always tell people forgetting is as critical as remembering. So if you went out to eat last night and you were at a sports bar and the table behind you, the woman was wearing a pink shirt and your waitress's name was Anna and the Tennessee Titans were on the big screen and two booths over, you heard somebody order cheese fries. When you 
sleep in deep sleep. And as a qualifier for that, um, I just want to mention briefly being asleep. Um, there's different levels of sleep and we've, we've all heard of that. But what I really want to clarify is being asleep for eight hours doesn't mean you went through all the cycles. And so when sleep is deprived, maybe you slept for six hours or maybe you slept for eight, but you didn't get into these deeper phases. Remembering and forgetting don't get organized. Um, I kind of call it like Walmart. Like if Walmart could shut the doors all night and just do their boxes and clean everything out, when you come back in in the morning, it's going to be much clearer in the aisles. It's going to be much more cleaner. It's going to be much more organized. But if people were coming at all hours of the night and they never really had that time, we wouldn't be surprised that there's boxes in the aisles and things kind of undone and the floors really didn't get cleaned. So um, I'm using the sleep as an example is when we don't get into the really deep sleep, then the, the cleaning crew for remembering and forgetting what we need to remember and what we need to forget, they don't get to come in and do their work. So when you are asking me, how are our physical bodies and our thoughts related? What can happen is one simple thing, one simple example. We are not prioritizing sleep because we have so much going in our life that, you know, it's just tonight. It is what it is. That's something people say all the time. They got to bed late. They still got up early. They're just going to have an extra cup of coffee in the morning. And they do this over a period of time or their stress levels are high. They ate ice cream at 10 o'clock. It's kind of their wind down time. Um, they're doing that. Sugar can also wreak havoc on sleep. Okay. And so we don't realize that it's our ice cream habit that's making us not sleep. We might not even realize that we're not sleeping well. We have no idea these things are connected. And we Suddenly we have this pattern. We have these habits. We've been in this job for a long time. We've gotten to a point where if things aren't done, we just stay up till 1130 doing mm -hmm. them. Yep. Um, we eat ice cream and I'm, I'm really setting this up because over time we just have these patterns and then completely in our mind, unrelated, we don't remember things anymore. We're like, oh my gosh, it's like, I don't remember this stuff. I got to write this down because I'm going to forget. Um, and we can start to get almost frightened in our own mind or we'll say things like, yeah, age really does this to you. Wait, I'm only 45. Um, and we start to think these things and we'll start, then it will start a negative thought pattern. Yes. Of, I can't believe I forgot that. Is something wrong? Yes. Maybe I need to see my doctor or we're talking to our spouse of like, I can't believe at work. I walked into that meeting and I didn't even have it then. And now I'm doubting my performance at work. Now I'm, and now I'm stuck in this mindset of something must be wrong. I don't know who to tell. I don't want to tell my coworkers because what if they tell my supervisor or now I'm in this pattern of something must be wrong with me. When something's wrong with me, if I'm starting to feel fear, I'm in a protective state um, that consumes a lot of energy to be in a state of anxiety, which then because so much of my energy is being consumed by that, I don't have the energy and capacity to make the kind of healthy food. So now I'm reaching for the Diet Coke and the granola bar, which both amp my anxiety. Um, I am just feeling so nervous. I makes me feel like, oh my goodness, I have even more to do. Now I want to stay up even later. And so that was a very long answer to your question, but it just shows you how just one example of my thoughts and my physical body are so related, but I had no idea that my fears around what I'm forgetting or how I'm performing at work had anything to do with how late I've been staying up or how much sugar that I eat in a day. And so I, like I said, this is my work. This is where I want to show people what if I, what simple, simple things, what if it's not an overhaul of a complete diet and exercise program? What if you just realize that going to bed an hour earlier could begin, you could begin to remember more. You would have more clarity, which would give you more confidence. Um, there's multiple, multiple examples, but um, yeah, I think that's that kind of just is, one of the things, right? 
that's the perfect example. Like the way you just, the way you just, um, explain that and really brought that to life. You just like my, I'm like, Amanda, were you, in, were you, have you been by my side for the past nine years? Um, because you like just reflected back to me exactly what I've gone through. Um, and yeah, wow. Um, I want to pause there for a second and like stay on this because, um, I actually, I didn't know that was a framework that you had in, 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 first of all, meds is very easy to remember. That's nice. But, you know, one, this is, this is, this is where I think this is definitely the genesis of like my own, my departure from my role. It was because my health had suffered, um, to a point where I was 35 and I was at the emergency room because my school nurse thought I was having a stress-induced heart attack. Um, and I mean, I played competitive soccer. I was an athlete my whole life, you know, and I'm over here and now I'm 35 years old and I'm hooked up to all these machines. And I wasn't surprised that I was stressed. I knew that, but I, but I was surprised. I, I was shocked that I was at, that this was actually a conversation that a doctor, you know, had to come into that room and say, everything's fine. You're, you're not like all your vitals are good. You're not having a heart attack, but and he like felt my ankles and they were swollen. Um, and he just did a couple things that nobody's ever done. And he was like, do you have a stressful job? <laughs> and I looked at him and he's like, what? I kind of just, I must've given him a funny look. And he was like, what do you do? And I was like, I'm a high school principal in Providence. And he just looked at me and he was like, your job's going to, your job is going to lead to an early death. I was like, well, okay. Um, that's sobering. And I think I was, I was in a point where I, there wasn't much I could do about it, or I, I shouldn't say that. I didn't know what to do about it. Um, so I shouldn't say there wasn't anything I could do, but I didn't know what to do. And I didn't know who to turn to. Um, I had, I have a really strong community, like a support network, my, my friends and family. But as far as like with, within my job, my, my work, I, I didn't know who to turn to. And, um, I had been at seeking some help for something, uh, very related to all of this and, and hadn't, and, you know, had kind of had like walls were up to that. So, um, when they hear you say, and that was, you know, six years ago. So, but that absolutely, um, absolutely is what led to my departure. And I think for a lot of teachers, it does too. Actually, I, I won't just say teachers. I'll say, um, leaders, administrators. It, I think it's that. And you just, you just pinpointed it. So, you know, my mission is to keep people in, but not just in, in a fulfilled way. And there are two, I'm learning, uh, that there are two responsible parties, right. In this, in this equation, there are the employees, right? There are the teachers, the principals. Then there are the people that make the decisions and we can't control, right? The decisions that are made. However, we have control and agency on how we show up um, and in, in the boundaries that we set, which is also like the hardest thing to do because of the pressures and the rule. But I think I want to, why, why I wanted to pause here was just say, you know, hearing you say, or when a teacher or a leader hears you say, get eight hours of sleep, I'm pretty sure they're either laughing or they're like, that's really cute. <laughs> that, that's adorable, Amanda. That's not possible. And I would have thought the same thing, right? I was the one up until 1130, 12 o'clock at night because I had to send those five last, not emails. I wouldn't email anybody that late, but I had to finish these five last things. Or I know that teachers are staying up lesson planning or grading papers or doing those things. And I'm saying, and I'll continue to say that we need to um, give ourselves permission to not do that and let it go and not complete ta some tasks because your health is more important than whatever task you were trying to complete. And that's the bottom line because hearing you say the eight hours of sleep and when you don't get that, all the other things that that leads to, it's like just compounds. So um Thank you so much for, for taking us through that. Um, because right. It, it's, it's usually health and something that a teacher or administrator says, like, I just can't take this anymore. 
because everybody's, everybody's passionate and heart driven for the job in a way, in their own way. So to step away from that, it takes something pretty powerful to pull an educator away from their kids, to pull, you know, a leader away from their teachers and away from their kids. It's never an easy decision. It's never about money. But it's usually about health or quality of time with our family, like a, a health, a family member that we feel like we can't do both. Right. And, you know, one note on sleep, because like you said, there's going to be people saying, yeah, that's cute or um, that's nothing new. Everyone's telling us this. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing that I like to point out there is think of the industries we have around diet, fitness, or we want to be a certain size. Mm-hmm. Um and how much time and energy is expended on that. And if you think about yourself and how much time you think about food or size or weight, um, and if we put that in perspective, I'm gonna say that we eat three hours a day. I'm gonna call that three meals and two snacks or whatever, right? And maybe we work out for an hour a day. If everything was aligned, we would have four hours a day into eating and exercising. And yet we have a culture consumed by it. We'll think about those things nonstop. Yeah. But when you look at nature's rhythm, we sleep eight hours a day. We are literally sleeping or should be sleeping so much more. So would that tell me that sleeping is at least two times more important to my health than my eating and my exercise? Mm -hmm. When you just look at at nature's pattern. That's a great way to look at it. And, you know, I, I guess like, I'm here right now just to continue to beat that drum of, and I do it for myself. Like actually I'm getting to bed earlier and it, it, it takes, it takes a lot for me to do that. But, um, you know, this is so important to keep us well, um, and to keep us able to show up each day, um, and able, able to be healthy. So, um, thank you so much for that, Amanda. And, uh, I'd like to, I'd like to move on to, um, I mean, <laughs> it, it's flowing right into the next thing I wanted to talk about. and because I have, we haven't cracked the code at all. Not even close, not, I mean, it's, we're going, we're actually going further away from the solution than closer right now in the world of education. Like we've, I can't believe it because two years ago, pre COVID, I would have said we are as far away from the solution to this as we could possibly be yet. Now here we are two years later almost, and we actually moved further away. Um, so while, I keep reading articles about how people are taking stock of what's really important. And, you know, a lot of people were not returning to the office or considering career pivots um, because they're taking stock of what's really important in their lives. Um, I know that educators are doing the same thing yet. It's not always as easy for uh, an educator to make what you would call a career pivot, right? It's scarier. Um, there are structures in place like pensions and, um, you know, how many years in and their seniority and, and just, and it plays a role to a a different degree everywhere you go, but there are so many things in place that where people may feel like they don't have the option to leave. And I'm trying to say, don't leave. We're going to make it better. Um, or we're going to help, but establishing, these boundaries, because what you just talked about in order to get enough sleep, I have to create a boundary around, I'm going to stop my work at a certain time. I'm not going to take phone calls after a certain time. I am actually going to take my lunch. I'm not going to work through it. I am, I deserve this. When you talk about mindset, I I think that for a long time, I didn't think I deserved to be healthy. It's like, I didn't deserve the time to focus on myself and so I just was like, this is, that's just not my life. I don't, I don't, I'm at, I'm in a job that we just don't get to do that. And that mindset's so wrong. Um, but it was, it's, it was my mindset. Um, so my, what I'd love to talk about is just a lot of people in the education space have a really hard time establishing and holding to boundaries on their time, on their emotions, or even their physical bodies. Um, like you have to sit in a room for seven hours for professional development that's hard to do. Like physically that's demanding. Like I need to be up. I want to move around. I want fresh air. There are no windows in this room. Like I'm exhausted, you know, all those things. Um, what would you say to them, especially during like it's got, I think it's the worst it's ever been. Um, what would you say 
to teachers who are saying, I am literally, I can't do it. I'm, I'm having a hard time establishing these boundaries. Yeah. Well, you know, as you've just, you know, laid out there and we're all so familiar with that there's once again, not just this one magic one solution, which I really wish there was. Um, so where I would approach this from is in that, you know, something else that you mentioned earlier is that not every situation we don't have all the control and where I would really encourage people to go is look for the places that you do. Okay. And I'm going to elaborate on this a little bit more, but when you, I would really start off with intention setting. So I'll show you how these tie together in just a minute, but here's an example. If I have a strong intention of how I want to show up or what I want to, maybe it's the personal development experience that you're talking about. You know, that's just one thing, but it's an in-service day or whatever that would look like. Mm -hmm. And you're going to be in meetings all day. Um, having these intentions of in anything, um, I have a million ways, my, a million places my mind is going. So That's okay. I'm trying, to, I'm trying to narrow it down. <laughs> let's just kind of let's just kind of put everything that you said in the parking lot for a minute, okay. and we're gonna come back to it. Okay. So we're kind of cleaning the slate here, and what we I would advise is starting to create a practice of intention setting, intention setting in everything that you do. So rather than and and it. You're, once again, people are going to be like, Amanda, if only I had that kind of time. Uh, that's how it's going to come across. But if you can just take us literally like five seconds, um, you're in the classroom and you've got to run to this meeting. If you can literally, as you're like grabbing your coffee and grabbing your pen and running to this meeting, one second, what is my intention in this meeting? So for example, Maybe there's a lot of things going on that really need a lot of attention and there's not really one easy solution. If you maybe have an idea on just one thing, you don't have to have an idea on how to turn the entire ship. Um, but you're like something in you thinks, gosh, you know, if you think that if and you hear people say stuff like, well, you think that if they think of this or maybe if they tried this, right? But have you communicated that? So I'm using this as an example of uh, if my intention is to go and into the office and just get through this day, I'm just going to get through this day. Then I'm training myself to simply take whatever comes at me. I am not building yep. any muscles around creating change. Mm -hmm. So I just want to get through this office. You know, I just want four o'clock to come. I'm here. I just work here. Okay? Mm -hmm. So I'm every time I do that, I am weakening my um, solution oriented muscles and mm -hmm. I'm growing my, I'll take whatever comes at me muscles just to get through. So if I set an intention for this meeting, now the pendulum can swing completely the other way. Well, my intention is going to tell them how this needs to be done. And if mm -hmm. they don't want to listen to me, then that's their problem. Can't say I didn't help. Mm -hmm. Okay. If your intention is, I'm going to make them listen to me. Now you've given away your power because you have no way to know if they will listen to you. Mm. So when you set an intention, A, you've set an intention. And B, that intention is something within your power. So I could go into a meeting and say, my intention, tell myself, is to share an idea that I have about one piece of this. I'm not proclaiming to know the whole solution, but I have an idea that I would like to share. My intention is to share. Now I am completely detached from the outcome. Mm -hmm. Okay. And I go into the meeting and I share. I am a success. I am successful in my intentions. That creates a me. What they do with it is irrelevant. But some a momentum in me has been created that I'm safe to share. 
I'm safe to share becomes one part uh-huh. of me. Um, so I have built that little muscle that knows I'm safe to share. If I build a pattern of that, I'm going to begin to stand out as a sharer, right? As Amanda doesn't, well, in meetings, she might not have the whole solution, but she's one of the few that's standing up and speaking out. Okay. She's at least coming with some ideas. Okay. So I'm starting to set myself apart. How does this go together with boundaries? Well, we need to build up muscles without necessarily being attached to the outcome. So if I can move even from just being a, it is what it is person uh-huh. and into, well, setting an intention. My intention here is to do this thing. I'm starting to build a reputation with myself that how I feel about this does matter. I become safer to share as I share other people will feel safer to share and we can begin to, you know, speak up in, in the little things. And then as we build that momentum into even bigger things. So the first thing I would say is it seems so unrelated. If I'm intention setting and following through over here, it actually makes me better at upholding boundaries over here mm, interesting. because I've created a reputation with myself of knowing what I want from this time, executing on that and surrendering the outcome. Um, in addition to that, um, let's say physically, you know, I can't sit in this room for seven hours or mm-hmm. you can, okay. What if you just stood up? I mean, and what I'm saying is this is if people are standing up and they're walking around the room, you stand up and someone else is like, I really need to stretch too. I'm a little bit restless. And because you honored yourself and honored your body in that, make Uh a scene, you didn't leave the room, but you honored yourself and you stood in the back and you did it discreetly and someone else saw you do that. And pretty soon a pattern of this happens that communicates to those in charge. People start to get restless every hour. Uh Now you can speak up too. But what I'm trying to say is when you begin to build a reputation with yourself in the smallest things, you will find yourself building momentum to be able to speak up more and speak your truth in more and more things. And in the spiritual text, it says he who can be trusted with little can be trusted with much. So we start in those really small areas, setting an intention when you come home, um, Maybe not. My intention is to give this two hours and then I'm done. Maybe mm-hmm. my intention is to show up the best that I can in these two hours and pour love into what I'm doing. And sometimes you have to ship the B work. B is the mm-hmm. new A. Um, I don't know. You know, the second thing that I would say, so really want to bring home. I don't have a magic answer for you. No, but, but when you can to speak your truth in the small things and you can start to set intentions where you can actually gain that momentum, you will begin to realize that you are getting safer and safer to set more and more boundaries and you feel more and more confident speaking against other things. Another thing is mindset. As I was talking about the meds, uh-huh. what are you filling your mind with every single day? Um, what are you listening to and what are you watching are huge. Um, when back to eating is really important and it's huge. I'll never discount nutrition, but also I tell people I have two eyes and I have two ears. I have one mouth. My spirit and soul are fed through my eyes and my ears and my stomach is fed through my mouth. But once again, if I look at nature's pattern, I would say that what I'm watching and what I'm listening to could be up to four more, four times as important as what I'm putting in my mouth. So we spend a lot of time focusing on nutrition, but not our minds, what we're watching and listening to. Mm-hmm. How do those correlate? Are you listening to people who are complaining about the workload? Mm-hmm. Are you listening to people who are burnout, tired, and um, frustrated with the whole thing? Is that the kind of conversation that's filling your head? Mm. Or are you listening to people who are change makers, who are, you know, have moved out of a place of depression and anxiety? What are you filling your mind with 
so that you have all these resources to go to and you've listened to other people who have done similar things, your mind is prepped for that. And then as you encounter them, you have this whole toolbox in here of what it's gonna take for the specific situation that you're up against that requires a boundary. But if you've only spent your time talking to and listening to people who also don't have boundaries, who are very frustrated and they speak to the frustration and the problem, mm -hmm then your mind isn't fueled for solution and creation and how to the how to on implementing those boundaries. So I hope that's helpful. No, you know what? That's really helpful. Um, because it, even I was like, okay, where are we going with the, in, like setting the intention with walking into the meeting? How is this related to hear you bring it back to that? This seemingly small, um, this small intention that you're setting and then acting on that intention and building up the muscles and, and that around that, how it actually makes you stronger in all of these other areas makes so much sense. And, and actually that's something that we are essentially trained to do, especially as like instructional coaches, when we coach other people, uh, coach teachers, you know, there are some people that are trained and some people that are just, that aren't trained and they just go in and then they'll, they're like a fire hose of information to the teacher or feedback. And that's overwhelming. But Coaches who are effective and who help teachers grow uh, give bite-sized, tiny, actionable feedback. One little thing they can change that will actually have a, a – will create change in a lot of other areas. And they just focus small because we you have to. We can't take everything on. Um, and it's easier when – and it's a bigger win when you're like, oh, I did it. <laughs> right? Like I, 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 I tried – I set out to do this one little thing and I was able to do that one little thing. It feels good. And then we feel like we can do the next little thing. Um, but to hear you say it that way, and I think that's so related to mindset, like what are we filling our minds and ears with? I feel like, unfortunately, there's definitely um, uh, more. There's an abundance of negativity um, around us in the workplace, for sure, um, when it comes to schools. That's, I think that's... I think that's like kind of timeless. Like it doesn't really matter what, what's going on in the world. That's kind of a thing that it, you know, since I was a kid, I heard about that. But I think, um, also being really intentional about where, where we're, what we're, what we're letting ourselves listen to and see, um, is important as well. So I'm glad that you brought that up because I don't know that it's something we really think about. It's kind of like, Oh, I just ended up in this conversation. I just ended up here. I ended up here. All of a sudden my, free periods gone now and back and I meant to do this, but now I'm, now I got to go teach again. And I just, I just lost that 55 minutes or 65 minutes or whatever it is. And now I don't even know where it went, but set it like setting the intention for that block of time that you have to yourself. What is my intention for this next 55 minutes? If it really, sorry for the glare behind me, I'm going to move the curtain in a second. <laughs> um, but if the intention is um, I'm going to, I'm going to vent, I need to find my, my, my buddy in the building who I vent to and we vent and then we, we keep it behind closed doors and we vent and I need that right now. Then, okay. Then, then you set your intention. And when the 55 minutes went by and you weren't able to do something you, but you set out to do that and you need to take release that. Or are you setting your intention to go for a walk, right? I'm going to get outside. I'm literally when the, I'm, I'm not stopping to talk to anybody. I'm taking the back stairwell. I'm getting outside because I need to walk today. Like taking that, like you said, five seconds to set that intention for that time. Um, and then sticking to it builds up that muscle. I think that's a really, that's I think that's a great place to start. So, um, just setting intention for whatever time you do have and make, that will help you stick to it. And then sticking to it is building up muscle. Um, also like kind of what you're saying, like you may need to vent. My intention here is to release a little bit of this mm -hmm. so that I don't mm -hmm. have to carry it into the next three periods. Right. Um, because if we're in a negative conversation for 40 minutes or so, and remember those things might really be happening, but if we're in negative conversation, then for this whole time that we could have, you know, we'd already allocated to something else or had intentions for allocating to something else. And then it didn't work. When you're coming off a negative conversation, where's your energy? Where's your energy? So if you're in a space that you just spoke about all the things that are frustrating and all the things that are just feel so unchangeable and they are 
you know, just feel so stifling at times. Is that a space that can help you execute an intention of pouring into and loving on and being present? Mm -hmm. It's not a great space. So when you know your next intention, my intention is to show up for these students for the next three hours for these teachers, for whoever it is that you're serving and do it with um, the highest energy and creativity and margin that I can bring, then the walk is going to feel natural because it matches the intention. Yeah, I think that so even intention like that will make And Now we're not being like, I have to get my walk in today. So we're shifting our mindset around it. When my intention is to, I want to come from a space that is vibrant and just, you know, show up my fullest within my given capacity today, then the walk is going to feel natural. And eating a healthier lunch is going to also feel natural because if I'm eating food that really brings my energy down, then I'm not going to have that same vitality and so if I know my intention is to show up fully, not perfect, no way, mm -hmm. but within the capacity that I can bring today, if this is my intention, then the other things don't aren't a checklist anymore. Eat your vegetables, go for a walk. They are moving parts in helping me meet my intention. I love that. Um, it's almost like you're tackling the problem, but coming around it like from another, you're not, it's like, it's, it's not just head on, like crashing into a meeting or crashing into this t time that I have that's free. It's like, oh, I kind of came from around. I planned for it to go that way. And I wanted yep. to show up within, uh, purposefully this way. Yes. Um, yes. I want to, um, kind of, you know, close out our time on the podcast today, um, by talking about something that I know you have coming up and it's, I'll let you talk about it, but the topic or this concept of when somebody says, how are you? And you say, I'm fine. Um, I was like, wow. Again, I think Amanda was standing next to me nine years ago. <laughs> um, but you know, I think that we, I mean, the, I, I saying you're fine or it is what it is or, um, whatever, there's nothing I can do. I'll just do it is something that we, that in a, I know in education, that's what we do. It's what we do. And I think depending on the role, depending on where you're at, like sometimes you really are good. Like, I mean, they're, trust me, like this year when I was working with, with kids, I was great. I was, I couldn't relate to what my colleagues were feeling because I wasn't feeling that I was feeling such, so much gratitude, but also like that, but that fits me like that role fits me so well. And like, I had felt all those same feelings, you know, years ago when I started teaching, like that fed my soul. So that never gave me the burnt out feeling. However, my role as a school principal did. So I think everybody's in a, uh, um, experiences their roles and the, in the stressors in different ways. There might be other school principals who are like, this is exactly, this fits me. I'm not stressed out and overwhelmed, but I think a lot of people that, that I'm fine, um, as the answer is not truthful. Um, and I'd love to hear a, your quick, like take on that. And also please tell us where we need to go to sign up for your workshop on this, um, next week, or actually, if you're listening, it's tonight. Um, sorry, <laughs> sorry. We recorded this the other day. Um, yeah, I said, happy Tuesday. It's Tuesday. Um, it's really not really Friday. Uh, yeah. So you have this event coming up tonight where we can actually access this. Can you, t I am intrigued by this because it caught my attention right as I was getting into the part of my life that would spiral out of control. It started with, I'm fine. Things are great. Um, because I thought that was the expectation. Everybody was looking at the fact that I'd been promoted and I was young, like, oh my God, she has ever, she has it all. This is fantastic. We meanwhile, I was dying inside, absolutely dying and had, I felt like I had to say and fake, actually I had this, I was like, Oh, great. It's great. It's oh, it's great. Uh, I even had like mannerisms to go with it. And it couldn't have been a bigger lie. It was the biggest lie I've ever told. Um, can you speak about that? Because I think right now, maybe everybody's being a little bit more honest when they answer, but, um, what is this lie we tell and tell us about your workshop tonight? up is how saying I'm fine is destroying your biggest dreams. So 
the whole concept is exactly that it is a lie. Okay. But you're lying to yourself. You're lying to others. And it starts to disengage you from your life. It's fine. I'm fine. Never mind. I got it. It is what it is. Okay. And you start to disengage and disengage even more because once again, you're building up those muscles of whatever it is, it is whatever it is, it is. And those muscles have an inverse relationship to creating what you want. Yeah. So as you're just, it's fine. It's fine. I'm fine. I got it. Don't worry about it. Your spouse says something wrong. I'm fine. Right. You're lying Mm -hmm. to your spouse. You're already, you're mad at them. You just don't want to talk about it. What's a better way to articulate that? You know what? The truth is I'm angry right now. It doesn't mean I want to talk about it right now. That's being more honest. I'm being more upfront with my spouse. Mm-hmm. Um, so this whole idea is that it comes down to the behavior muscles. If we continue to say, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine. We're convincing ourselves to be more and more and more reactive. And we're deprogramming ourselves to actually address the things that aren't fine. Now, this is not a pendulum of saying to every single person that asks you, how are you? You're telling them anything and everything. <laughs> yep. This is having your people that are, um, you know, your two or three really close people, which there's a phrase that I love to use from Dr. Carolyn Leaf that's called the love zone, where everything just gets to come out and be in the love zone. And you have a couple of people like that. Um, and you but you get honest about what it is you actually need or how you really felt and starting to craft more specific language around that. I'm actually frustrated right now. I'm a little overwhelmed. Um, I'm disappointed that you would ask that of me. I am discouraged. You know, I'm actually a little uncertain as to X, Y, Z. And when you start to use words like that, Instead of I'm fine, it's I got it, never mind, I'll handle it. Um, you're addressing the solution, you're addressing the situation right here and now. However, mm-hmm. imperfectly, you are learning that as things come, you're going to address them. So once again, you're building up this muscle of not removing yourself from situations where there's this time for stories to get written in your own head, for resentment to grow, for mm-hmm bitterness. Now, all of those will make you physically sick. Yeah. They'll make you physically sick. And so this workshop tonight is looking at some of the reasons why we say I'm fine to begin with, because they're not necessarily hiding ones. I mean, it's, it's, maybe it's considered polite. You know what? I'll just get the job done. I want to be the person who doesn't want to argue. I just come because I want to help. I want to get this done. Remember there's, there's really, um, socially appropriate reasons why we're saying we're finer our heart is really in the right place. And so my aim is to, once again, as I illustrated before, kind of connect the dots on how, even if we have really great intentions, um, if we're creating certain habits, the habits have um, consequences that spill into other places of our life that we didn't even realize are related. And so the workshop I'm doing tonight is um, going to be a live webinar. Uh, you can just register at amandalurus.com. It'll take you right to the registration page. And it's going to really kind of look at why we do that, um, what we, how, what the consequences are, maybe what we could do differently, and how making some changes is actually going to move us toward our bigger goals that we didn't even know were connected to our daily responses. I love that. Um, you know, I, I mean, I plan to attend and I think that just any time that we have the opportunity to take a look inward and say, okay, like this is a very simple thing we do. We probably say it a hundred times a day and don't even realize that we're doing this. Sometimes it's just to deflect it because we don't have time to address it. Um, but the power in actually showing up for ourselves and honoring ourselves and honoring what's true, um, is, is so powerful. So to like, 
but that's scary, right? It's scary if you haven't tried it. It's scary if you're in a situation where you're worried about the response. Like there's so many things that could pre- prevent us from just being like, oh, okay, Amanda, I'm going to start doing that right now. <laughs> I think going yes. through your workshop uh, or your webinar and actually like learning some of the ways, or the, some of the, the words, right? Like how are we communicating this? What are some of the strategies? What are some of the things I can say to myself is really helpful in starting to honor ourselves and honor our truth and say, no, like I'm not okay right now, or I'm not okay with that. Or that's making me feel like you're taking advantage of my, like how hard I work. You know, Mm -hmm. I'm always there to, um, take on like a little bit extra, but now I feel like I'm being taken advantage of because you've asked me now to stay late four days this week. Um, Mm -hmm. so like being specific or being will, being able to identify that truth. Um, so I'm going to link your website right in my uh, episode notes as well. But Amanda Lurz, it's L-U-R-Z, right? Amanda Lurz. Yep. AmandaLurz.com. Um, you can register for her webinar tonight. And I, I encourage you to do that and to get on Amanda's mailing list because I can tell you that, like, I'm ready to hire you as my coach. Uh, so, <laughs> no, I don't, I don't even say that facetiously. I'm, I'm serious. Like, the stuff that you're doing, like, I always think of it through my own lens and what I've gone through. But what I've gone through has been really isolated to the education the experience in the education world and like what I experienced as a principal, other people are experiencing as teachers. And, um, so to, to, to have, to have access to you in multiple ways is, is very helpful. So by signing up for the webinar, I know that they can get on your email list too and, 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 um, and get access to even additional things that you have to offer as far as resources. Um, yes. Well, Amanda, thank you so much for taking the time today to talk about the work that you do. It's so I think it's it's absolutely critical um, that we I keep opening the doors to people in education um, so that mm-hmm. something sticks and they say, I deserve this kind of change or this is what I needed to hear today. Um, and I yeah. think that for a lot of them, what you shared is something that they definitely need. Thank you so much for being on the show today. Thank you for having me. 